0: Welcome to a Nutrition and Clinical Practice podcast. I am Beth Krisda, an Associate Editor of Nutrition and Clinical Practice. Joining me today is Dr. Orenstein, the author of the paper, Moving Fecal Microbiota Transplantation into the Mainstream published in the October 2013 issue of NCP. I am pleased to introduce to you Dr. Orenstein, who is the chair of the Division of Infectious Diseases at Mayo Clinic and has extensive expertise in the prevention and treatment of hospital and healthcare-acquired infections, especially Clostridium difficile, which provides the setting for our discussion today. Before we start, Dr. Orenstein, do you have any disclosures on this topic you'd like to share?
1: I do not have any disclosures on this topic.
0: Wonderful. Well, fecal microbiota transplantation, or FNT, is a fascinating form of treatment for both patients and clinicians. Recently, it's been seen in the lay press as peculiar and unusual treatment. Interestingly, as you note in your article and review, this is really a revival of an ancient technique. Before we discuss some of the specifics of FMT, could you review for us the implications of the C. difficile pandemic in the U.S., as well as the implications of the human microbiome project for this disease?
1: Well, thank you for that introduction. The reason why Clostridium difficile has been a target for this type of treatment is that it now affects about half a million people in the United States, and about 15,000 of those develop multiple relapses. And we don't have any standard therapy for people who have developed multiple relapses. And it's been known, as you mentioned, for some time, that this unusual process has seemed to be very effective for treating people who've had recurrent Clostridium difficile infection. In the last five years, we've learned about why that might be effective through some of the new technologies and understanding the microbiology or the microbiota of the gastrointestinal tract and the role that diversity of bacteria play in eliminating clostridium difficile infection.
0: What is the basic science that supports using FMT as a treatment for C. difficile?
1: Well, there are good studies both in animals and now beginning in humans that have shown that one of the risk factors for clostridium difficile infection is a loss of diversity of gut bacteria. In particular, loss of bacteroidetes seems to be associated with a state that allows Clostridium difficile to cause injury to the gut. If you look in animal models, there have been several animal models, including mice, that have shown that Clostridium difficile can be eliminated by feeding a new microbiota to mice that previously had acquired Clostridium difficile by giving them clindamycin, and that that seems to be sustained over a long period of time. And if you look again through genomic analysis of their feces, you actually see a change in the microorganisms that are in the stool that seem to predict the response. And in mice, there seem to be several specific groups that imply success of fecal transplantation. In humans, we haven't yet isolated whether there are specific groups or whether it's just the entire diversity of bacteria that seem to make a difference in containing or controlling recurrent Clostridium difficile infection.
0: That is just a fascinating concept to using microbes to treat a microbial infection. Which patients would you think to be eligible for FMT, and do you ever have issues with just simple things like insurance coverage?
1: Well, one of the issues that we've dealt with since the beginning is trying to come up with some fairly strict inclusion criteria for who could get this procedure done. The reason for that is that what we were trying to prevent – is people that didn't have recurrent episodes of Plostridium difficile from getting this treatment, which is considered investigational. And so what we had decided was we would select those individuals that really had no other place to go. These would be individuals who had either severe disease that had not responded to standard treatments, or those that had recurrent disease that hadn't responded to standard treatments. And in our practice, we typically will say the individual needs to have gotten two courses of standard antimicrobial therapy and a prolonged tapered therapy or a third-line therapy before considering fecal transplantation. The reason for that is not so much that we don't feel that it would be effective earlier. It's that the success rate of treatment the first time around is about 70 to 80 percent Second time around about 50 to 60 percent. So, you really need to give people at least two chances before you would consider proceeding to this therapy, which again is considered investigational.
0: And I conceive of this kind of as an out of the box therapy, but as your review touches on, it is a psychologically different kind of thinking what this treatment involves. Is it difficult to obtain donors for these? Patients?
1: Well, most often in the beginning of our program, the donors were usually someone who was related to the person who was ill. The reason for this was primarily, I think, out of confidentiality and the fact that we really didn't have a donor pool to donate to individuals who needed this. As we were doing more of these, we realized that particularly elderly patients, particularly those that had come from far away, really didn't have family members nearby. And so we had begun a program to identify healthy donors that we had pre-screened and pre-screened on a regular basis to ensure that we at least had one donor that we call a standard donor. Now, many times family members, friends will be willing to uh, participate and donate a sample and they're screened in a similar manner. We have found some difficulty in trying to get standard donors. I think that most people who know someone with Clostridium difficile that have had it multiple times would be happy to donate. But I think if you're looking for a young, healthy population, many of these individuals may not have any experience with other people who've been infected with this. And so it's difficult to ask them to donate a stool sample on a regular basis. On a logistical basis, it is a little bit problematic for a standard donor because they need to be available when you need them. And as you know, some people just don't have the ability to poop on schedule.
0: You have been very instrumental in developing what I would say is a comprehensive FMT program at Mayo Clinic. And in fact, your review really highlights, I think, a lot of the key factors that make a program successful. If another institution was thinking of developing a program, there is now the new FDA decision to regulate this as an investigational drug. Would you do provide some comments on that, and what does that mean to an institution considering this?
1: Well, I think the key to our program is something that is embedded in Mayo Physicians, which is that we are used to functioning in a team capacity. And so when we decided we wanted to do this, we pulled together all the people that we thought would be instrumental in making this work, from the individuals in the endoscopy suite to those people that would help us to process the samples and the people performing the procedure, and then myself, who is the person who does most of the intake and evaluation of the patients initially. We found that hiring a nurse, particularly somebody with good gastrointestinal nursing experience, was very uh, important in putting together the program. And we found that this coordinator, which we modeled after our regular solid organ transplant coordinator, has really been the linchpin of the program because that individual communicates with the patients, communicates with the gastroenterologist, communicates with me, and develops protocols to make sure that everything happens in an efficient manner. And so I think what we found is by adding that individual, we got a lot of value. And what we were able to do is reduce the time it takes for somebody who contacts us to uh the procedure done and then be able to return back to a healthy life. Now, the Food and Drug Administration intervention changed things a little bit. Previously, and around the time this article was written, the Food and Drug Administration had stated that fecal microbiota transplantation was an investigational procedure and being used as a medicinal therapy and fell under the purview of the Food and Drug Administration. And the primary reason for that was that there were more and more centers trying to do this without good standardization, without a very strong knowledge of the long-term and short-term safety issues associated with the procedure. After having a meeting in uh, Washington, people that were involved in procedure and some patients and scientists involved in the area, the FDA re-looked at this and said, at the current time, they're not going to require an investigational new drug application. What they would like to do is ensure that informed consent is obtained and documented for each episode. And I think that that has been helpful to centers that were just starting to get ready to do this. Because to do this as an investigational new drug is really quite a challenge. It requires basically doing a Phase two clinical trial. And a Phase two clinical trial actually requires funding in order to support the infrastructure to do that. And I don't think that most places that would like to be doing this to help patients are going to be able to obtain the resources to do that outside of maybe some larger academic medical centers.
0: Going forward, can you comment on what you potentially think could be some other future horizons for the use of FMT, other diseases that we may consider this as possible therapy, and any thoughts about having the development of synthetic stool? I
1: think these are all the areas that are currently under investigation, so With the Human Microbiome Project, there's been a lot of new information about many diseases which may be related to alterations of the gastrointestinal flora. And there's suggestions that perhaps if you could manipulate that flora, you might be able to change some of the immunologic or inflammatory signals that drive a variety of diseases. Now, all this research is really in its infancy. Many of these projects are small and have been done in animal models and have not yet been done in humans. But these are all areas of exploration and and great areas for people who are involved in doing clinical research and want to learn more about particular diseases and their relationship to the fecal microbiota. On the patient side, there are many anxious patients out there who have read about these preliminary studies and are anxious to get fecal transplantation performed for these diseases that have been suggested to be related. And we're just starting to see a few clinical trials in other areas. So for example, a small clinical trial was done in ulcerative colitis, where there's been some anecdotal evidence that this might be beneficial. And there are now some larger trials that are beginning to open up for people with ulcerative colitis. There's certainly uh, interest from the standpoint of neurologic diseases and rheumatologic diseases, which again may be driven by inflammatory signals coming from the digestive tract. My own personal interest as an infectious disease physician who's interested in healthcare-associated infections is that we are now entering an era of multi-resistant bacteria that we have no antibiotics that are effective. And my personal belief is that we should harvest the ability of the human host to actually fight these infections by maybe doing something similar to fecal transplantation to try to eliminate some of these drug-resistant bacteria that colonize the GI tract and then later go on to cause infection.
0: Dr. Orenstein, I want to thank you so much for sharing your expertise with our listeners today. Your insight is certainly valuable as well as inspirational. I invite all our readers to find out more about this topic in Dr. Orenstein's article in the October 2013 issue of Nutrition in Clinical Practice. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.